Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good evening, family. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Man, the time of worship was amazing. Uh, we, we get to live a life where we constantly go into the presence of God. How crazy is that? Like, our reliance is not our, on ourselves. Our sustenance is not based on what we can do or based on our skills. Our sustenance, our reliance is based on a good God who has already done it. That is just incredible. We, if you're wondering uh, why uh, we look so glorious, if, <laughs> if you're like, these guys... Are handsome on a good day. <laughs> today, today they just look glorious. <laughs> Those blue waters of the Caribbean have washed over us. <laughs> Pastor Sai and I were, were away uh, for, some, for, for some time and ministering uh, in the Caribbean on, the, on St. Thomas Island. We got to spend time with uh, our family in, in uh, Orlando, in the uh, Orlando church. And this is one, the, the, the brilliance of being part of a global family is that we get to do mission together. And that wherever we land all over the world, there is a place that we can call home. And there's a family uh, that we can partake uh, with. So we got to spend some time with our Every Nation family uh, in, in uh in Orlando, and uh, experience just their, their love, their hospitality, but also the work that they're doing in the city, which is amazing to see just the level of impact that they're having in the city. We got to uh, uh, worship with and pray with the, with the mayor. We got to uh, uh, engage with the chief of police of the area. And so it was just a, a evidence of the fact that they are touching these people, and these people are coming to say, we want to see what's happening here. We want to come to this church because we want to see what God is doing here because we are seeing your fruits. And so that was greatly encouraging uh, for us to be part of, uh, of some of that work. And then uh, we, we uh, headed over to the, to the Caribbean, to the St. Thomas Island, um, ministered largely on the uh, University of the Virgin Islands campus. And it was just, I mean, the Lord went before us. Uh, your, your, your prayers were felt, the faith was there, the Lord had gone before us, the campus was just wide open. Uh, and so there were many, many, many gospel conversations had, many people who responded to invitations to community, and many still who gave their lives to Jesus, uh, either recommitting or, or surrendering their lives to Jesus for the first time. And so uh, I think we, we, we came back uh, encouraged uh, we, we came back filled with faith, uh, seeing the hand of the Lord move. And there, I think there's many other testimonies. And I think Pastor Sai, you'll get into, into some of that, just some of the, the victories that we saw and some of the breakthroughs um, that we experienced as we were ministering alongside the Holy Spirit. Um, it's always good for us to remember, and I remind myself of this all the time, that in the work of the gospel, we are the junior partner. The Holy Spirit is the senior partner. And sometimes we think, man, I, I need to make it happen. I need to make things move. and think. But we just actually need to tag along with him and just kind of be attentive to where he's going and do what he's doing because he is the senior partner. 
He goes before us. He does it. And then we get to come alongside him and partake of the harvest. How beautiful is that? So we bring you greetings from the family um, in, 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 uh, in Orlando and from the family on, on the St. Thomas Islands. The work is thriving there. The gospel is moving. Uh, the, 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 the ground is fertile. The kingdom is advancing, and we, we get to, to build the kingdom on this side of the Atlantic, and they're building on that side, but we are one big family, and we're hoping uh, that you'll meet uh, some of them as they, come, as they also uh, come this side, and as we build towards the World Conference, which I hope many, many of you will be at the World Conference next year in, in Cape Town, October. Start planning uh, for that, and, uh, and, and many thousands of our global family are going to be converging on Cape Town as we worship God together. So that's going to be an amazing time. Great. Thank you, Rex. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay, now let me give you some of my highlights of being on this trip with Lereko. Uh, there's certain photos that we can't show at church, but Lereko was uh, really one of those guys on the beach like, when we were playing uh, uh, a new game that I've learned, that Lereko was so competitive. I discovered things that I didn't know about Lereko on this trip. And I'm hoping that as we show you this picture, the Lord is speaking to you. Actually, you don't need the Lord to speak to you. If next time you go on a mission like this, you're like, I'm in, right? Because they've asked us to build and help them in the Caribbean. In the next three years, we're going to be helping them. Uh, my alarm clock says it's time for us to end the service. I know, right? Uh, World Cup uh, opening can wait. <laughs> you know when you put an alarm reminder like many years ago, like, you know, many weeks ago, and it comes, forget about that. Well done for being at church today. <laughs> Well done to you. You should have seen people who came to the morning service. Some of them, they parked by, up the road by young smarts and walked all the way to church. There's some very committed people, you know, in this church. You know, they parked at young smarts and walked to church. Back to uh, what I was sharing about at St. Thomas. One of the guys that we got to minister to, his name is RJ. We got to baptize him on the ocean right there on the beach. How's that? His life was so radically transformed by the power of the gospel that he got saved on Thursday. While Lereko was preaching, he took his phone out and he started recording Lereko preaching. I was sitting next to him. He was so touched by the Holy Spirit. He started leaning in and he was just like, man, this is for me. And he gave his life to the Lord right that evening. And after that, he asked, what's next? We said, we have victory training on Saturday. He came to victory training and on Sunday, after the service, we got to baptize him. And the story you get to hear, I didn't mention in the morning, is that the same girlfriend who broke up with him a few weeks ago was there to witness the baptism. <laughs> and now she wants to get baptized. May the Lord do his work. <laughs> um, the, the, let me also comment on this picture here. I knew her and hurt is a church that was planted by the Moravians in 1737. Now, the significance of this church, you might have heard bits and pieces of the story of the German brothers who left Moravian uh, church in Germany and to get to minister to the slaves at St. Thomas Island, they had to give themselves over to slavery as indentured labor to preach the gospel. 
Now, interesting, when you hear the story, you might have heard this. When they sold themselves, when they went to St. Thomas, they said, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. They reached out to many people in that area, especially slaves, and they planted this church. 300 years later, this church is still standing. And so much history in the church. I mean, we can spend the whole day just telling you about the history of this church and how they were part of uh, eradicating slavery. And uh, we got to stand there. It's a market where slaves were traded to go to different parts of the world. What was said about our experience there is instead of having a respect of this place, the people go there to smoke weed, to drink alcohol, and it's just a place for vagrants to hang around. And what was so surprising for us was, man, don't these guys know the history of what happened here, what took place here? You'd remember uh, we chat uh, Two months ago, we were in Ghana with some of the people who came with us in Ghana. I see Jack is here, Mihi is here somewhere. We went to Cape Coast Castle. That's the castle where slaves would leave Africa through the door of no return. And they would go to St. Thomas Island, right here at this place. And at this place, that's where they were traded off. And one of the intercessors sent us a message that really helped us understand why these people have no reverence of this place and what happened. This intercessor was just praying for us, an intercessor here in South Africa, and the vision they had was they saw a bull elephant tied to a chain, and it could not move. It's so interesting that even when the chain was cut, it still could not move. And what was the revelation of this vision was a lot of the people in St. Thomas Island are like this elephant that has been unchained, but they're struggling with the slavery of the mind. The slavery of the mind. And that is something that we need to watch, even as believers, that we can actually be set free, but we are struggling up here. And I believe one of the reasons why we've been asked to help in the Caribbeans to plant every nation churches is to help people to see that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. When the gospel transforms our lives, we are free and we are free indeed. I loved how Greg ministered uh, this evening, just uh, that level of freedom that only comes through Christ. So as we go to the sermon that we have for today, we're going to be reading Galatians chapter 2, and the sermon title is this, Walking in Step with the Gospel. I'm going to make a few comments and a few statements that will help us understand why we're saying the gospel must rise. The gospel of Jesus must rise. We must go back to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. As I make these statements, it will help us to see that we need not be like that elephant that was chained, but we need to be set free through the power of the gospel. If we don't have a sense of urgency about the gospel, future generations are going to suffer. The battles we are fighting today, they will still have to fight tomorrow. The gospel power transforms people and transformed people transforms nations. 
The gospel power transforms people and transform people, transform nations. Why I make this statement? This statement means we can do all that we can to try and transform and change our nation. But if the heart is not changed, we'll still be where we are in the future. We need to trust God to change the hearts of the people, to transform the hearts of the people. D.L. Moody writes, the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. This word changes lives. It was given for our transformation, not for our information. The gospel is the only solution to the ills of society. That is my prayer tonight, that when you leave out of here, there will be that sense of urgency with why we need to preach this gospel, because this gospel sets people free. As we read Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he's writing with them about an occurrence of something that has happened while they were in Antioch, and how he called uh, Peter out when he noticed that Peter was not walking in line or in step with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, as a church community, we want to be of those that will walk according to the gospel, according to the truth of the gospel, and not out of line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So read with me Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. He stood because he stood condemned. For before certain men from, came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? This is the word of the Lord. So friends, from this text that we've read, the context is uh, Paul is encouraging the church in Galatia to live in a way that pleases the Lord, to walk and live in a way that is in step with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, he's taking them to an occurrence that happened in Antioch. And the three words that I want us to focus on today is compromise, correction, and our conduct. We're going to look at how Peter compromised how Paul called him out or corrected him, and finally, the conduct that we should have as believers. So going back to this word compromise, a behavior that is out of step with the gospel. Paul is saying, before certain men came from James, he, he Peter, was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back, he separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Now, let's uh, bring this situation to us today so that we can understand it today. And maybe some of you can identify with this because it happens a lot in our context in South Africa. Here, imagine I'm sitting with Zach and Jess and Greg, and we're having a meal. Let's just say it is Nando's because it's one of my favorite places to go to. Or Tend and Tender around the corner. They have got good steak. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now we're talking, yeah, 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 I have, I have a witness, a grill house in Rosebank. Imagine we're sitting there and we are enjoying a nice meal, and while we are enjoying this meal together, I'm sitting with my white brothers and sisters, and then the guys from Ekasi, Bulereko, they start showing up. <laughs> I'm picking up on him after this trip. They come and sit on a table next to our table, and then I choose to leave my white brothers and sisters because the guys that I identify more with are there now. And I separate myself from the people that have been my community the same way as Neo shared so well tonight. And what is so interesting is Peter did this because of fear of the circumcision party. Because of fear of his, the dudes that came from head office. Let's bring it close to home. You know, like uh, when you're working in your company, everything is going well. But when you hear that the guys from head office are coming, you clean the office. You make sure that everything is good. And when you hear the auditors are coming, that's a different story. But let's bring it back to this context of how, because of fear of men, we sometimes separate ourselves, we compromise from the community that God has given us. I'm just using that example to show you what happened here when, when Peter separated himself, when he moved away from community. Say, God has called us to build a multicultural community here, but because of compromise, we find ourselves to be moving away from where God has called us to be. So think about it this way. Peter, being a Jew, hanging around with the Gentiles, but when the guys from James, from Jerusalem came, he separated himself because of fear. Fear will cripple you. Fear will enslave you, like we spoke about the elephant. Fear will cause you to compromise. Now, I want to speak a little bit about how, as believers, a behavior that is in step with the gospel of Jesus Christ will cause us to speak up instead of sitting down with things that we see that they are wrong. Let's just talk a little bit about why this narrative around gender-based violence. I really struggle when I travel around the world and I hear about crime in South Africa, corruption, and gender-based violence. We need to change this narrative. We need to change it. And I believe it's directly connected to the brokenness of the family. And we need to fix the family. About a year ago, our son came back from school and uh, he said to, to Lindy and I, Mom and Dad, there's something I need to talk to you about. I had an altercation at school. So as soon as your son says they've got had an altercation in school, you're thinking, man, are we going to get a call from the principal? What did he do this time? And we have been called to the principal office before. This time around, he says, there were these two guys who were, speaking in a derogatory manner to a girl, and I called them out, and I said, stop, guys, you don't talk with a woman like that. At that point, I was like, wow, that is amazing that you actually stood up for your values, for what you believe in. You know, I didn't want to show him in my heart. I was proud that moment, proud that moment. All the things I've been teaching him, how he should speak to his mother, to his sisters. He was able to stand for the truth. But I believe that that's just one of the stories that we should be hearing more about. That we should raise a boy child to know how to treat a woman 
with respect and with honor so that we can kill this onslaught of gender-based violence. We need to look at ways that we're raising our boy children. And I know that we can talk about also how ladies should be raised up in a family to know how to carry themselves. Another story that really touched me, talking to Roger and Nicola, they reminded me of the story of their son, James Pierce, who's now working um, uh, in Cape Town. James, when he was in grade nine, he was going to a boys-only school, and you can imagine things that happens in the boys-only school. You don't want to know. So I asked James if I can share the story, and he gave me permission. He says in one of his classes, the, the, the teacher who happened to be his coach, um, uh, hockey coach, had a calendar like this. I'm sure you recognize that this is Cape Town, Table Mountain there. Uh, before I continue with the story, let's just pause here for a little bit. We have to give it to Cape Town. It's a beautiful city. It is just beautiful. I mean, like, while we were at St. Thomas Island, we kept on feeling like maybe a little bit like Hope Bay, you know? It felt like we were back at home. Cape Town is beautiful. And, you know, God is a God of details. This morning I showed... Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Now, that's another thing, actually. I, I, I remember that when we talk about Cape Town, we must also say the gold of Joburg is its people. I mean, the people of Josie, the vibe, the energy, the life that is here. There's so much life here. I've got friends who moved to Cape Town and they move back because the people are not the same. Let's not go there. It's amazing. I showed this calendar this morning in the first service, and after the service, uh, one guy came to me and says, do you know that the person who took those photos is my son? I'm like, wow, hectic. <laughs> you know, John Karen. It's Brian Karen. And like, okay, God, you know, you got your own things. And then he said, I'll organize more calendars for you. I said, <laughs> Looking at this calendar, how beautiful it is. If you go through this calendar, some even more awesome pictures that this guy took. This uh, teacher had a calendar like this in his class, but it was with women in bikinis. Imagine you are in a boys' school and uh, you want them to concentrate, to be in class, and you have women in bikinis. What are you saying? What are you saying to them? What are you teaching them? How they should be treating women? James uh, went to the lecture and said, can you please take the calendar down? And I'm hoping that you remember the story because of this calendar. And every time you see a calendar, you ask, Lord, what is it that you want me to stand against? James went to the teacher and said, Sir, I think you should take this calendar down. It's not sitting well with me. Think about the courage that it took for him to do that. And I like the fact that James says, It's not sitting well with me and the other guys. I'm not sure if that was true. <laughs> And the teacher said, mind your business, this is my calendar, I'm not going to take it down. Guess what James did? He went back home and he wrote a two-page letter. It wasn't typed. He wrote it down, two-page letter, and sent it to the teacher. And the teacher started reading this, reading and understanding where it's coming from. He was so convicted that not only did he take the calendar down, he had a conversation with James and he said, I want to visit your church. And he did come to visit our church. Imagine what happens when we stand for the truth. 
Imagine what happens. So I want to challenge us to not compromise in those moments when God is calling us to speak out like Paul spoke out and said to Peter, Peter, your conduct, your speech, the way you're carrying yourself is not in line with the truth of the gospel. And one of the things that is happening in our nation today that we need to be aware of, especially if you're a parent, is uh, comprehensive sex education is coming quick and fast in our schools, where kids are given and educated to choose whatever gender they feel they identify with. A lady sent us a letter coming from the Department of Education. Her daughter is in grade R. Her daughter is expected to sign the letter, a grade R to sign a letter, and the mother to co-sign that this is the gender that she is choosing. And I thought to myself, we don't allow teenagers at 18 years of age to drive. We don't allow them to drink alcohol. But we let a six-year-old to choose their gender. Something is wrong with that picture. I know that it is hard to talk about these things, but I will encourage you to visit the Family Policy Institute. Family Policy Institute, they give us ways to engage with these things with grace in a way that we can be able to win people over. So what are we compromising because of the fear of men? If we don't have a sense of urgency about the gospel, future generations are going to suffer. Sadly, future generations will have to fight the same battles we are fighting today. I watched a video recently of uh, a group of Canadian pastors repenting before the Lord that when the laws were being changed in Canada, they were silent, and now it's too late. Number two, correction. Biblical confrontation in step with the truth of the gospel. Verse one says, when Cephas or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. I like the choice of words here. Paul was not a man to miss his words. I opposed him to his face. I looked at him in his eyes because he stood condemned. He was in the wrong. Paul noticed that Peter's behavior threatened the truth of the gospel. He was moving away that justification is not by the area that you come from. Justification of faith is not by where you come from or dietary requirements. As Pastor Greg spoke so well two weeks ago, that nothing wrong with eating bacon. Nothing wrong. The Bible says you can eat whatever you want to eat. Unless you choose to live in the Old Testament, what was happening here when they talk about the circumcision party is a group of people that followed dietary requirements, that followed certain festivals, that followed a certain way of doing things. And Peter moved away from the Gentiles to associate himself with these people. But Paul is saying, you are in the wrong. I opposed him to his face. Paul confronted Peter, even though he was his elder, his superior, publicly. And I need to speak about this. There are certain things that we need to correct publicly, and we have done that in the church. Why do we do that? If it's a leader or someone influencing people in a wrong direction, you correct it publicly. And then there are certain things that you have to correct privately. In this case, uh, Paul or Peter had led people astray, and as an influential leader, he needed to be called out. But let's talk about a biblical way of confrontation. If it's a brother to brother, sister to sister, or it could be also sister to brother. When we talk about this, it's very important to realize that the Bible gives us a template of dealing with conflict. 
And I'm sure you've heard us saying Matthew 18 before. So we're going to read it for you. And no one will say, I've never had this before when we talk Matthew 18. It's here in the scripture, how we should deal with conflict. If any other believer, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out their offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. I like those words. You have won them over. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Some of the legal laws come from here. We go to verse 17. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church or to the church elders. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I'm always amazed in the Bible when they talk about, talk about text collectors. Man, they're like the babies all the time. I mean, really, I, I'm sure things were bad at the time, you know? The Bible gives us this template. Say, I have wronged Greg, which I never do. <laughs> Say, I've said something that doesn't sit well with Greg. The Bible says he needs to come to me and speak to me. And if I don't listen, if I'm not intreatable, he can go and call Lereko and the two of them can sit down with me and talk to me. If I'm still not intreatable, they can take the matter to the church elders. And then the matter can be resolved. It's now being escalated. The matter can be resolved. And then you say, okay, if I'm not happy with the outcome I get from the church elders, where do I go? Within every nation, we have a regional apostolic team that helps handle conflict in churches if you're not happy with the regional apostolic team, you can go to the international apostolic team. If you're not happy with the international apostolic team, just go to God. Just, just go. You should have started there anyway, but just go to God. We have systems in place so that we can create safety. We have safety. So if you are not happy with someone or something, the Bible gives us this template that you go to them and you address it with them and hopefully they are intreatable. And if they are intreatable, the Bible says you have won them over. You have won them over. So if they are not intreatable, you bring another brother, you bring another sister. If they are not, then you take the matter to the church elders. And in case you're wondering, Pastor Sai, I don't have the church elders. I don't know who they are. Go to our website they are there. So what stops us from following this biblical confrontation? We need to put the mirror on ourselves and say we need to follow God's template of resolving conflict. Let's go to my last point. We read in verse 13 and 14. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, along with Peter, so that even Barnabas, one of the senior leaders, was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before all of them, I corrected him before all of them, if you are a Jew, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile, you live like a sinner, Something is wrong with that. You should be the one to correct them. You should not be the one to separate yourself. You should be the one to show the right way, the right conduct of us believers. Peter's conduct as an influential leader led others astray. The question we should ask ourselves is how are we leading others astray because of our speech 
and our conduct. Paul says that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I believe strongly that issues of ethnic prejudice or privilege are a gospel issue. We need to deal with them as a gospel issue. When our actions are not aligned with the gospel, we need to be called out. And also when we see others not living in conduct in line with the word of God, we need to call them out with love and with patience. Something that I see happening in South Africa today, and I know that we are all concerned about the corruption in our nation. We are concerned about the sabotages that we are hearing about. We are concerned about the crime. We are concerned about poverty. We are concerned about a lot of things. But we need to be careful not to feed the negativity that is in the nation. We need to be careful by the words that are coming out of our mouths. Are we speaking life or are we speaking death to our nation? So I thought I should speak a little bit about this when we talk about a conduct that is in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It means when people come with negativity, we must remember that we ought to be hope dealers. We are people of hope. We're supposed to speak hope and say the same God who took us through the challenges of apartheid will take us through the challenges we are facing today. We need to be hope dealers. We need to speak life and not speak death to our nation. So I'm encouraging you today. I know it may be convicting that if people are huddling at work or huddling somewhere and they're just speaking negative and negativity about our nation, as children of God, a conduct that is in line with the word of God is that we'll say, but God. But God, but God, but God, God will see us through. Otherwise, we all going to fall into this negativity and speak death over our nation. When Paul noticed that Peter was acting in the wrong, out of line, out of step with the truth of the gospel, he said, my brother, you are in the wrong. Come to the light. So I'm hoping that you are feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit today and asking yourself, what conduct or behavior do I have that is not in step or in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you a hope dealer or not? In conclusion, oh, by the way, this scripture I skipped is for leaders. Not many of us should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. What it means is, especially us leaders, we must be careful that we don't lead people astray because we're going to be judged with greater strictness. How should we approach this uh, biblical way of confrontation? Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 4 says, I therefore, Paul again writing to the Ephesians, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy to walk in a manner worthy, in line, worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with great humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. How we correct, we should do it with love. We should do it with patience. We should do it with gentleness. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. We are called to this one hope, and our hope is Jesus Christ. 
He's the anchor for our souls. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is not in the leaders that we have. Our hope is in Jesus. So I encourage you, do not compromise. Accept correction and give correction. And may our conduct be in line with the truth of the gospel. Let us stand to pray. Father, I pray that as we listen to a word, maybe a word that is difficult to take because it's speaking to some of the things that we have fallen into. Maybe we have compromised. Maybe we have not given correction or spoken up when we needed to. Or maybe, Lord God, our conduct is not in line and in step. Our speech is not in line and in step with the truth of the gospel. I pray that we will repent tonight. And I also pray, Lord, that you'll give us courage. Give us courage to speak the truth and to speak the truth in love as the scripture exhorts us. Friends, in this atmosphere of prayer and with the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit, I want to take a moment just for you to say, Holy Spirit, show me if there's any conduct in my life, if there's anything in my life that is not in step with the truth of the gospel. And as the Holy Spirit shows you what area it is that you can just repent and pray a silent prayer and pray and say, Lord, I repent. I repent for where my conduct has not been in line with the truth of the gospel. Father, I pray that all of us will see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight. And may we repent, Father God, so that we can be able to speak life to our nation and not speak death. Yes, Father, we need to speak up where we see corruption, where we see things done in a bad way. We need to speak up and we need to follow the right channels, Lord God. But I pray that we'll not feed the negativity that is taking place in our nation. Lord, I pray that we will be people of hope. May we be people of hope, Father God. For your word says, those who hope in the Lord will never be put to shame. Your word says, hope is an anchor for the soul. Father, we thank you that as we continue to hope and trust, you will see us through the challenges we are facing individually, in our community, and as a nation. While our heads are bowed, if there's anyone here today that you know that you're far away from God, you're far away from walking in step with the truth of the gospel, I want to give you an opportunity to pray with you, to come back to a relationship with Jesus, to come back to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are here and you feel in your spirit that you need to commit your life to Christ and you live for Him, maybe you've moved away. You used to walk with Jesus and you've moved away. You came tonight 
And I believe there's a reason why you are here tonight. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so we can pray together. Just be bold and raise your hand and say, I'm far from God. I want to come back to God. Just raise your hand so we can pray. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just be bold and raise your hand. Thank you. Just be bold wherever you are. Raise your hand and say, I need to come back to God. I need to come back to God. I've moved away far from God and I need to come back. Thank you for raising your hand. There's a reason why you needed to hear this message today. There's a reason why you are here today. Thank you. If you raise your hand, you can put it down. Father, I pray for all these gentlemen that raise their hands, that God, you will help them to take the next step, the bold step of walking with other believers so that they can become all that you've called them to be, Father God, in the process of discipleship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come to the front so we can take your contact details and we can pray with you and start a discipleship journey with you. If you raise your hand, just be bold, come to the front so we can pray with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, my brother. Well done. Well done for taking this bold step. Well done. Well done. Well done, bro. This is the best decision you can ever make with your life. Thank you for being here. Well done. Well done, bro. Well done. And the princess is here. Well done for making this decision. Come on. Friends, the Bible says heaven rejoices with one sinner who repents. Let's rejoice together. Father, thank you for this man and this precious girl who's here today. Please pray with me this prayer. And family, let's join them. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We ask that you forgive us. And receive us as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name.